Authority Issues, a podcast about leadership, management, and wondering when the last time I wore pants was. Uh I'm Rachel Perkins, aka Pie or Pie Bob. I'm into words, operations, cheese, and whiskey, and of course, leadership. And I'm Kendall Miller. I dressed myself today. Actually, I I wrote down that comment and planned on saying that before I realized you were going to also comment on not wearing pants. Yeah, it's Um, like we're synced up. Congratulations, Kendall. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, And today on the show, we're talking with Val Trillinger, IT Communications Manager at UCLA. Welcome. Welcome, Val. Thanks for having me on the show. It's nice to be here. We're we're really excited you're here. So let's just dive in. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your path to leadership and where you are today. I like it. It's a big subject. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So I kind of fell into leadership coming up through in, in... instead of a lot of the people in the Rams leadership slack that start out from a more technical standpoint in IT, I came up through graphic design and creative writing. I got involved in journalism and desktop publishing and graphic design as part of my creative writing degree from Chapman University, which required that you take layout and design and publications design as part of your creative writing degree. And I fell in love with it. It varied both art and writing. And I thought, oh, this is perfect. This is both of the things I want to do. And it was great. I started out as an editor, graphic designer, and just kind of worked my way up through the years at Chapman. I left Chapman after 10 years. And uh, not to get my degree, that only took three. But (laughs) after I graduated. If if you take 10 years on a creative writing degree, then you've like really accomplished something. You really have accomplished something. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I tried to to get a creative writing degree. They actually rejected me. He didn't actually do it. Uh, No, the school rejected me. I completed the the requirements and then the school told me I didn't qualify. So this is a soft spot for me. I, I would say like, oh, like this is why they have the nice folks in the registrar's office to advise you to like keep you on track to keep that from happening. Um, oh, I'm sorry to Lads. hear that, man. Oh. Uh, yeah, he's obviously <laughs> totally a failure in life as a result. So, well, you know, like, it's it's not all it's cracked up to be, right? I I kind of have the same situation. I I um, kept it going while I was at Chapman. I decided, hey, you know, I I like writing. I think maybe maybe I'll do teaching. So I went and was in the MFA program there for creative writing. And after a while, I realized like, you know, this is not actually what I want to do. I do not want to teach writing. I do not have the patience to teach writing. <laughs> yeah. I, oh I just don't. And this, this is not for me. And so I... The goal wasn't to be... I'm sorry, I keep interrupting. The goal wasn't to be po- poet laureate. No, it was to okay, okay. No, although I did, I did. My emphasis was in poetry, so an awful lot. Yeah, I think if you are really creative, somebody could probably dig up some published poetry that won some awards. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so you know, poetry, poetry, IT (laughs) management, leadership—not really the normal path uh, in this in that group on Slack. Totally, but I I walked away from grad school. about six units shy from my MFA. I wow. just had, had enough. I, I could, uh, I just couldn't hack doing a full-time job, full-time degree work, mm. keeping it all together and being married. Like, nope, something had to give. And it, at the time it was the degree. So uh, I, I feel yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, life, life happens. What would I, what knowledge would I have gained in that extra six units? Mm-hmm. Not, not an awful lot, you know, I, I would finish my <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so what happened next? Yeah. What yeah. happened after that was I, uh, well, this thing called, you know, the interwebs came around. It, it had actually, you know, been around, but it became a thing for universities to try to recruit instead of just something that the comp sci department played around with, you know, it, it became a marketing tool. And so that's how my department at Chapman became involved with it. We began to use it for recruiting and, and marketing and trying to attract students. So I began to learn about it being the most technical person of the publications department. Uh, but by that, I meant I'm the person that fixed the printer when it broke. I'm the person <laughs> that, uh, you know, reinstalled software, installed the OS upgrades, um, d- also did all the desktop support. And you know, things have gone horribly, horribly wrong when the English major is doing your desktop support and setting up a server. It's like, not yes. that unusual, though. Seriously. But, uh, yeah, the, the, not I, the first person I've heard of that has gone this way. Yeah. If, a lit degree or whatever. Yeah, writing degree. I mean, you know, you can wade through. Look, if you can get through Finnegan's Wake, you can get through <laughs> how to compile you a code. Can. You can. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you learn how to stick with it. You're like, I do not know what happened six paragraphs ago, but I have faith. I'm going to figure this out from context. So mm-hmm. you can, you can make it through. Context is huge I, for everything. I, I, I want to make some, some like. Um, oh my gosh, I want to pause here and say Shakespeare is to Java as, you know, what oh. is to Ruby? And I mean, I feel like there's places sure, we could go. Sure, there's a meme we out there. Go, we we could I, like, come back to that, you know, and go, okay, like, what is the analog? Like, what, you know, I don't know enough about Ruby to say what would be probably one of the modernists. Uh-huh. Or maybe Rust. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's a, some. There's a definitely a long way we could go with this, uh, but I would rather hear more about you, Val. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry for my derail. So, so you, no, no, it's all good. Summarize where good. you came. So you were came in. You were uh, you were talking about. Um, you learned about the web and about web technologies and the internet in general, right? Because you were the person in your uh, in your um, liberal arts area that understood some of enough to, to make forward progress through things like fixing the damn printer and whatnot. So right. what happened at that point? So what happened at that point is that my publications office had a really long history of hiring student interns and training them in graphic design. I became, you know, I was training them in, you know, I got enough skills that I got trusted to train other humans. Mm-hmm. And this was back in the bad old days of we were just beginning to phase out uh, doing graphic design by hand, using a waxer, doing paste up. Like we, there were still a couple things we did by hand, but we were also using like PageMaker and Quark had just come on the scene. And okay. so we were just beginning to make that transition to the digital world. And it was a, it was a really interesting time because you're both trying to learn a new technology and teach it to somebody else as you, as you go. And it was like trying to build the train tracks in front of the train as the train is moving. Oh yeah. 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 For sure. And I'm like, well, that's a dynamic that sure hasn't changed in my career. That's <laughs> <laughs> just keeping it one step ahead, but just one step ahead, you know, learn just enough and learn it well enough to teach it to somebody else, which of course really forces you to learn it well as you're explaining it. 
So your first real experience with leadership is with uh, in, in education of other people, in training interns, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that would be uh, the first yeah. formal experience. Yeah, the very first leadership experience, however, was even more random. It was when I was in junior high and high school. I was in the Air Force's civilian auxiliary program, Civil Air Patrol. Uh-huh. Cool. So they're kind of like you know, there's junior ROTC, there's the Air Force has its own program, and this group is they go out and they do all the search and rescue in the lower 48, and they also teach leadership as part of that. Uh, my mom's side of the family is a military family, um, very much a bunch of pressure to go into the military as well. Mm-hmm. So my grandfather was a retired lieutenant colonel from the Air Force, and I was the oldest kid out of all the grandkids. He really wanted me to go into the service and kind of follow in the family footsteps, keep that tradition going. And this was my compromise. I said, okay, well, I will try this out while I was in school. And it was a fantastic experience. You know, the the military has a lot of great things to teach about how to lead other people in doing jobs that nobody wants to get done. (laughs) Right? Like peeling potatoes. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's totally. potatoes, tying your shoes, making your bed, you know, hmm. uh, finding lost humans, you know, learning discipline, learning how to communicate, learning how to talk to people, learning how to talk to even just the mechanics of how do you make yourself heard in a large room? The military will teach you that. How do you talk in a room full of men? You know, when I was a 13 year old girl, that was huge. Wow, that was bet. Huge, you know, to be able to practice speaking with that confidence, to get heard in a room full of older people and adults and have them pay attention to what I was saying and respect what I was saying. So I did that for three years. And, okay, well, so, but I want to I wanna earmark so that we can come back to, I mean, because I want you to keep going, get to oh, yeah. where you are today, but then I want to hear how learning in the military to motivate people or maybe not even motivate them, get people to get things done that they don't want to do, how that applies, particularly where you are today, because I think that That, would be curious, but but that absolutely all comes together, you know? Sure. So I had, you know, given it three years as a kid decided, okay, the military is not for me. Um, Mm -hmm. It just, I didn't see a good fit for somebody interested in writing and art and design. Yeah, you know, um, they, they no, do have yeah. <laughs> they do have that job that that is a specialty. That's that's a MOS, you know, you can be an artist. Um someone's got to paint all those pictures of the planes, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to go there. So when it came time for me to start training interns, I fell back on everything that I'd learned and I realized like, oh, I've got to adjust my style. Like you cannot <laughs> just shout at people, you know. And I had been a TA when I was an undergrad and that also Mm -hmm. required a lot of leadership. And so you have to come from a more and shouting and shouting. Yeah. Yeah. You, because there are times where it depends on, you know, the class I TA quite a few classes, some classes you get a good group of kids, everybody's there, they're engaged. They want to learn other Uh. times. That's not the case. So yeah, the shouting did, it did come in. <laughs> yeah. Well, even just standing at the front of a class and projecting loudly enough was right. probably that That's shouting experience helpful. was helpful. The shouting and also getting over the fear of public speaking, you know, getting up in front sure. of a group, talking in front of people like I, I got this, you know, yeah, um, awesome. standing up in front of a lecture hall packed with people. And I mean, it still is not great, 
You know, I never woke up in the morning and thought, oh, today I get to go do this. This is the best thing ever, you know. But <laughs> end it, it up became, in front of people. Yeah, it, it became less mean, terrifying, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so then what is your role today and how'd you get there? So I left Chapman and after 10 years and I went to UCLA. And my role now is the supervisor of IT communications at IT services. And I got there because, you know, Chapman was a great place to go, but it's a small school. There just weren't that many opportunities. Lovely place. Loved all the people there. Just you it's much it. smaller than UCLA. Yeah. yeah. Most yeah. places are. What does it mean to be the IT communications member or manager at UCLA? Like you're overseeing all the people like for tech stops that people come in and ask, need help? Or is it more the like staff side of security on their laptops or all of the above or like what's, what's involved? So it's actually much less lofty than that. It is managing the websites for the administration at UCLA. Oh, great. And yeah. it's also doing the internal and external communications for IT services at UCLA. So talking about our products and services, what we can do for people, um, where they can get help. It's a lot of writing annual reports, um, writing home pages, just internal and external communications. And also we, we hmm. basically, we provide the tools for administration to help tell their story. And we're working on provisioning um, a new platform so we can roll this out for other departments to quickly spin up websites. Uh, That's a joint project that we're doing with UC Davis and UC San Francisco. That I think is going to be really cool to do a a low cost way to quickly build a website that people can use that might not otherwise have like a department staff that can do a website on their own. Well, probably... I mean, this has got to be super important right now where like schools are communicating all the time because everything's shifting all the time. And, yes. and uh, they, they need these platforms to be able to work the way they need to work when they want to be able to communicate. Absolutely. Yeah. And we I were talking the other day about like it being bad to YOLO your comms about big things. And uh, you're, you're, it sounds like your team is the place to not, you know, to get experts to help you not do that. Right. We do <laughs> try very hard. We all work together. There's um, a bunch of communication managers across UCLA. We all work together. We all coordinate with each other. Uh, so division yeah. department. we're yeah. all on the same page. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it sounds like, you know, your, your background uh, with uh, military training, uh, military comms training in particular has been super useful for this. Um, what, what has been the hardest or most difficult or possibly most embarrassing lesson you've had to learn on your way to here? Oh man. <laughs> I love this question. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, I think the hardest lesson to learn is that, you know, do you, there's a great question, right? Do you want to be effective or do you want to be right? Oh, yeah. And when I was younger in my early career, I was very focused on being right. I I am so familiar. <laughs> you know, it's it's very easy to feel like people are coming to you because you're the subject matter expert, because you know some particular piece of information or you have a skill set that other people need and that you're the authority. And I think this is particularly true in, in academia because people make careers out of carving out niches and, mm. you know, you, you yep. build a reputation on being the go-to person for subject X. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you may be right, but you're not always being very effective 
if you insist on being right. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to think of a good example of that that isn't embarrassing to anybody in the story besides myself. You know? <laughs> I don't mind telling a story where, you know, I'm embarrassed because that's fine. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are able to think of situations like this when yeah. they you know, get, get becoming mature. Like that's becoming also mature. a big part of becoming mature is like, do I want this I'm to work mature. or do I want to be right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I think one thing was, so I was editing the course catalog at Chapman. This was really like ages and ages ago, decades ago. And there was somebody that in one of the departments that was insistent on capitalizing the name of every course. They were capitalizing every proper noun. Okay. And I, we don't do that in English. And mm -hmm. I wrote back, we don't do this in English. We don't speak German. Wrote that back on a proof, sent it back. Well, I was right. Well, <laughs> that was not effective. Like my, they, my boss had a phone call. They had to get that smoothed over, you know, and I was like, 21 yeah. you know just full of myself not so, i mean smart you know, person why I wasn't wrong have? i wasn't mm -hmm. wrong but it was not the right thing to do it was not a good way to treat people um yeah 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 so i i needed to learn some humility there and uh did you get so you your were, way though did you get your way because <laughs> that's I, so important i did I did. And, and were you also right Amazing. to have learned the lesson, right? Oh, I, I mean, you were, I, I you were right at the time yeah. and you were right to learn the lesson the hard way I, or yeah. to learn it. We yeah. have the best guests. We have the best guests on the show. They're always right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a lesson um, I absolutely needed to learn. And is that a thing? I mean, so, so you said maybe in academia and I, I remember, um, hearing someone describe academia as there is a circle that describes all of the knowledge in the entire world. And it is the job of someone in academia to basically make a little bump on the edge of that circle and increase the size of that circle. Right. That's like a very uh, apt description. Yes. Yeah. It, well, and so then you, that is completely the faculty's job. Yes. Right. Well, so you're surrounded by people who have to be right. And uh, in a field where communication I mean, like, like part of communications too is communicating right, right? Like, like communicating correctly, doing it effectively. So how do you, how do you apply that today? I mean, I feel like it's a hard lesson to learn for anybody in any field. It's a harder lesson where there's bigger stakes for some of the things that you need to make sure go out right. Yes. Um, you know, like, how do you do it? Well, first, there's always the very obvious things, right? Like you always proofread your work. You have somebody else proofread your work. You have multiple audiences and stakeholders take a look at those critical communications that you send out. And then um, you also have to realize that, you know, like things will go out. Somebody's going to send something out with a typo. Somebody on a different team is going to send a slightly different message. Somebody, you know, you're going to have discrepancies yeah. in the, yeah. how do you plan for it when those things happen? Because they're going to happen, you know, yeah. they're inevitable because we're human. And just, well, and hopefully it's not the, uh, there's a tsunami coming. This is not a drill uh, mistake. Right. Well, uh, right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. so you, um, you have learned that, and, and I'm sure this is something you apply all the time. Uh, you've learned that sometimes the manner in which you say something is almost more important than the thing that you're saying. Um, what, uh, what is the, 
what is the best or worst leadership advice you've received um, in your time? You know, have you had someone who's been a uh, been an influence for you, uh, a mentor perhaps? And what have what good or bad advice have they given you? Oh man, I've had some some fantastic bosses, and I, like everybody, fantastic bosses and terrible bosses. Um, and I think you can you know you can learn from both, right? You learn mm-hmm. both what to model and you learn what not to imitate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of some advice that seems good but actually did not work for me in particular was to try to level up your weaknesses. And I and this is interesting because that's something that on the face of it it sounds like well of course you should want to do that. Of course yeah, you should want to remedy your flaws. Of course you should want to fix the things you're deficient in. And yeah, yeah. that's true to a point. But so let, let me give you an example. Um, I've got dyscalculia. Okay. I've got a learning disability with math. I'm never going to be the person you want uh, being the last person to taking a pass on any kind of Excel spreadsheet, math related problem, hell, writing down a phone number. I'm not your guy, right? If the fate of the company depends on me getting numbers in a sequence correct, we're screwed. Like it's not mm-hmm. happening. I'm incapable of doing this job. I can grind away at it and grind away at it. And I certainly have techniques to overcome this. And if you give me enough time, like budget time every single year, right? The budget cycle is just a hellish montage of pain and suffering for me. I need <laughs> not just you, but, but, no, but yeah. also more for you, I believe. <laughs> for me, I mean, I look at it and it just, the numbers swim in the cells mm-hmm. on the screen. And I'm like, I seems legit. Sure. How can I just send back the same thing with a different file name changed? And the, the budget team is like, no, that doesn't work. That final way. dot final dot final. Yeah. Final dot final. <laughs> Sounds good. Right. Yeah. They're like, no, this is exactly the same thing as last year. We're on to you. I'm like, damn, <laughs> but you know, so that's, that's a weakness that I can try, but man, I'm never overcoming that. And there's a certain point at which I, it doesn't matter how much energy I pour into it. I'm never getting better. All I can do is kind of go, all right, here's my limit. I've got workarounds in place and I know my flaws and, and I'm calling it good. And I'm okay mm. with that. My energy would actually be better served by putting it into my strengths and further developing those mm-hmm. because that's where I'm actually going to get somewhere. That's where I can sharpen the saw. That's where, you know, if I spend yeah. 20 hours coming up with new layouts, if I spend time working on a new web component library, that's actually going to get me somewhere. I could spend 200 hours on trying to become better at Excel. That's never happening. And stop, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This is like another aspect of the thing you talked about, about communicating things in a, in a, in a way that works, Mm -hmm. right? If you, you want to be effective rather than just right, like being right theoretically in this case is like knowing how to having the skill to do a particular calculation or whatever thing that it isn't your, your primary skill. Uh, but you're, you're not being effective if you're dedicating all your time to leveling up that thing that you could just get someone else who is good at that to look at. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it is far more effective to me to walk over across the hall to purchasing with a bag of Miriam purchasing's favorite candy. Say, dude, (laughs) can can you help me out? Can Mm -hmm. you please like, you know, this is what it, could you look this over for me? I've, I've done it. I think it's right. Can you do it? Sure. That works a lot better for both of us, you know? Look, yeah. purchasing isn't pissed off because I haven't turned it in wrong, and Mary gets her favorite candy, and I haven't like 
you know, I won't say wasted because it's not wasted time, but I haven't battered my head against that immovable wall. Totally. And if Mary needs a memo written and someone to look it over, you know, and that's the thing. You, you also have to reciprocate. You can't be a jerk about this. You know, when somebody comes (laughs) to you and goes, actually, I need to write, you know, my, my kid needs help writing their college application Mm -hmm. essay. Can you help? The answer is always happy to help you out. Not a problem. You know, because you're asking somebody to go out of their way for you. It's it's interesting because um, it's a thing that I feel like I learned relatively earlier in my career. Like I can work really hard and get mediocre at that thing, or I can just focus on the things that I'm actually really good at. But it took me longer to be okay with that and other people, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, like, no, this just isn't your strength. I shouldn't be asking you to do it. And uh, what's funny to me is. I think it was just a year or two ago, you know, my wife, after asking me to attempt the 53rd house project that I do sufficiently, (laughs) uh, where sufficient is the strong word here, you know, finally, instead of getting upset, calmly said, you know what, you're good at other things. And it's at once slightly belittling, but also very encouraging that like, at least, you know, I'm good at some things. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's freeing. And I, you know, it's interesting yeah. because I think a lot of folks that yeah. are very bright and very talented and gifted at certain things, we're used to being instantly good at things we mm. set our hands to. And, and so yeah. the flip side, right? If you're not instantly good at it, forget it. It's not for me. I'm never going to try. And mm. my my parents did, I think, a very good job of this. They were always very careful to say, okay, you've got to put in X, num- you know, X amount of effort in towards a thing. And mm-hmm. Once you do that, we will accept this as your best effort and we will take whatever grade you get. So their informal rule with homework was for every hour you spend inside the classroom, and this was in junior high, high school, even elementary school, for every hour you spend inside the classroom, spend three hours outside the classroom working on that class. If at the end of that time you get a C, we will accept a C. If you fail, we will get you the help you need. If you get an A, you get an A. But you, it must be a dedicated block of time. You've got to try your yeah. broccoli. You have to put in the effort. And where that actually, you know, like, so when I got a C plus in chemistry, but I was getting an A and everything else, they, they were like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. C in chemistry. Um, where that did stand me in really good stead was in sports. I am not hmm. a natural athlete, but I love sports. I love sports. I love Love them, but I'm not great at them. But I got there through like just sheer hard work and practice. Um, I'm tall, which you cannot see from the podcast. I'm very tall. I've been this tall since I was nine years old. I grew early. Puberty came for me early and with a grudge. So I've been five foot ten since I was nine years old. Mm -hmm. I don't recommend it. Uh, You eat everything that's nailed down. Your femurs hurt all the time. Um, And I hated it because I'm like two feet taller than everybody else around me. And one of my teachers Mm -hmm. said to me, how about basketball? Because you would be great at that. I was like, oh, yeah, I would be. And because I was clumsy. I mean, I was tall. I wasn't good, but I was tall and I was clumsy. And it took sheer just grinding it out, just trying to get better every day, you know, practicing and practicing and practicing and applying that dedication and that discipline to get proficient at something I was not naturally good in, but that uh-huh. I loved. 
And the mm -hmm. same thing happened in track and track and field. I did shot put and discus. I was a thrower because I'm, I'm built to be a thrower. That's when I got into weightlifting. And, um, you know, Rachel's heard me in Slack talk about lifting the channel that I started to blather so about how much I, I love weightlifting. Yeah. So, awesome. well, so, so I want to shift a little bit from that. What sure. are the things that you've had to work really hard at getting good at in this role in a college setting that are maybe different from like, what's different about being a leader at UCLA than most leaders probably deal with. And, uh, and I mean, maybe you've had to work extra hard at it or maybe it's come easy to you, but what are the things that are, that are unique about leadership in that kind of a, you know, it's not a for-profit organization, right? Right. Yeah. We're of course. Yeah. Academia is nonprofit. There's some things about academia that are different than the private sector. Um, one, obviously, we're not out to make a profit. We're not out to sell face cream. We are here to try to make the world a better place, quite literally and earnestly. Like that, you know, there are people right now working on a vaccine for COVID. We are treating people. We are healing the sick. We are winning Nobel Prizes. Like we are working for the greater good. So people truly have a sense of you're here not for money not for glory, not for fame. Although, you know, there's always a couple of researchers where you're like, eh, I'm not sure about that guy. Pretty sure they're in it for their ego. But on the whole, you go into academia because you want to do something worthwhile for society. So mm. that's a big difference in motivation of the people that stay in academia. You're surrounded by people that believe in what they're doing. Absolutely. There's, there's a cause. Nobody is in it for the money. The second is that people tend to stay for a very long time. A mm -hmm. short timer is somebody who's been here for 10 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you need to manage your relationships accordingly. Ooh. You yeah, yeah. cannot just throw a temper tantrum in a meeting. You cannot treat people poorly. You must manage your relationships and you need to know that you're going to be working with these folks for years, decades, and they've got long memories. And it's a small community, even in a big place with tens of thousands of faculty and staff. It's a very small community. And it's not just a small community within your individual university or college. Academia as a whole is a small community. Yeah. People talk. We're very well connected. So reputations travel. And if you have a reputation as a jerk, all of a sudden funding dries up. Nobody wants to work with you and uh, you must, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things that mm. it kind of gets back to. Do you want to be effective or do you want to be right? Mm. Yeah. yeah. You know, there are lots of projects where sure. I would be well within my rights to say, I'm sorry, you didn't plan ahead. I can't do that for you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that is super but, different from, from tech. Obviously people don't work in tech for very long at a time. Right. Like my nine years at a company is a way outlier mm -hmm. and, uh, this idea that you have to work on your relationship building skills is incredibly absent from uh, the culture of every tech company I've ever worked at. Yeah, it's uh, you must work yeah. on your relationship building skills. You must work on your collaboration skills. You must work on your uh, ability to be a good community member. I mean, it's it's in my yeah. performance evaluation. How how well do mm -hmm. I do on the commute on the committees that I sit on? Am I yeah. a good citizen? You know, can other people on campus rely on me for help when they come to me? Yeah, you're building long-term alliances. Yes. Which is also, you know, long-term allies, which is also different from tech where, you know, 
yeah, you, there's no such thing as a long-term ally. Hardly way so. more backstabbing. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's far, uh, you know, well, if you've ever watched any episode of game of Thrones, I mean, you could certainly draw some, you know, those high council meetings to certain committee meetings. Like you could go, yep, there's a lot of parallels. You can, you could swap the personalities for sure. That's just the nature of committees and humans that work in them. But sure. Um, it is, you know, there is a joke that academia is the most political job outside of politics. Yeah. And that's, that's very true. And it, I think it is because it depends on relationships to get things done. Hmm. We don't have, you know, we don't have a, a motivation of money to do something. Yeah. Well, uh, so, personal. yeah. So how does that affect your, I mean, we ask everyone on this, how, what's your relationship with authority and how do you feel about when others have authority over you, how do you feel when you have authority over others? And, and maybe even specifically in this situation, long-term allies, long-term relationships is, is your relationship with authority affected by the environment that you're in? I would say relationships with authority. It really depends on the person's comfort level with themselves. What's your own personal style? How secure are you as a person? Um, if you're a very secure person, you wear that very lightly. There's, you're very, you tend to be more collaborative. You tend to be more consensus building. You are less dictatorial. Now, you know, there are some certain situations where you can be more dictatorial and that's because the context shifts, right? Um, because there's either a, a heightened sense of urgency or people's lives are actually in danger. Um, for example, like, when we had a shooter on campus a couple of years ago. Yeah. All of a sudden my <laughs> normally very laid back style became very harsh. You know, it was like, guys, you are, Val. <laughs> you are, yeah, you are, you're going to do this now. And it's because it's not because I want to, it's not an ego trip. It's I'm trying to keep these people safe. Yeah. You know, you guys are going to do this and you're going to do this and you know, you're going to listen to what, you know, the campus police department is telling you because you know, and everybody gets it at that point, right? Everybody's afraid. Everybody's scared. Everybody wants. They to want live. someone to tell them. They what want to do. someone. Yeah. yeah. What What are we doing? Like, what What's happening? They're They're looking for a strong leader. Uh, but, did you Did you learn? Sorry, I want. This is where Kendall wanted to go back to as well. Hmm. I think, uh, with respect to your your, um, you know military training, uh, I forget what the program was called, but that you learned about how to have yourself heard and when to use different kinds of uh, loud voices and, right. and, and leadership tactics? Is that something right. that comes into play? Uh, yeah. So in, in Civil Air Patrol, it was really great leadership training, but you know, it was more, it was the general principles of leadership. It was also some hands-on leadership. It was really about how to teach people to get something done. Mm -hmm. And you know, the military, like there's a there is a stereotype that it is all drill sergeants and shouting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just okay, made a well, that's that only that's... in certain situations, right? You only sure. use that in certain situations. You don't use that in a day to day. Like that's right. that's not how most life is. It, but it does teach you, like, okay, how do I break down this task to its most simple parts? How do I explain it clearly? How do I check to make sure everybody's understood what I've explained to them? And then how do I have them replicate the task to make sure that, you know, they've demonstrated that they've understood it. Yeah, you know, every it's Jira admin needs these skills. <laughs> every Jira admin needs these skills. Yeah. It's just like, okay, let's break down the user story. How, how should this work? Um, every time you need to delegate a task that comes in handy. So, it, where it does come into like very specifically, like making myself heard, 
mm-hmm. it does come in handy when somebody tries to talk over me in a meeting. Then, you know, being able to project and raise my voice and having the physical presence that I do does come, you know, like if I, if I simply like stand up or if I simply flex or, you know, my shoulders are just in my chair, people turn and they notice this is less of a, you know, it's not like I'm flexing, you know, my biceps, but you know, if I simply like change my posture, I'm a big person and people turn and it draws attention. They're like, Oh, Oh, maybe. Okay. Right. She's moving. It's difficult to ignore me. Hmm. So, hmm. um, just you, learning how to carry you yourself, like get, getting that confidence, learning how to stand, how to, how to stand in front of people, how to speak so that you're heard. It's, um, that I think has been really useful. It builds that confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, so you talk about being, it, it helps to be comfortable with yourself and with mm-hmm. your goals and your motivations, which is something I talk about a lot, like understanding right. your own motivation it's critical to being a successful leader, to having managing authority when you have it over other people. Um, when right. other people have authority over you, how do you feel? What are what are the things that make that work or not work for you? For me, it's about. Um, I think because of the environment, it we very much have a sense of shared purpose, right? What's what's the goal? We're here to get a job done. Mm-hmm. Most people in academia do not try to. Uh, use their authority to go on an ego trip over their staff. However, there there are some that certainly have. It, they do not last very long. Um, you know, <laughs> I have worked, relationship building. <laughs> yeah, relationship building for sure. You know, I have worked for a couple of managers that did, you know, abuse their staff, that did go on those ego trips, that did shout, that were, you know, abusive to the point where, um, like, there was a couple different people opened up, um, a whistleblower case against these folks mm. and they were, you know, asked, asked to leave. So, no, you know, there's not a tolerance for that behavior that I think is otherwise tolerated in the private sector, which I think yeah. is, is great. You know, so there is that, that's another difference right there. You don't get that kind of like outright abusive behavior. It, it, not saying it doesn't happen, but it doesn't get tolerated right. for long. There's because the, it's not a, this guy's an asshole, but at least he makes us money kind of situation I mean, uh, where they can, kind of overlook it. You know, I won't say it's perfect, right? That that can persist right. in some pockets. It can take a while to uproot. It can take a while to get enough evidence to get somebody out. For sure, that, that can happen. Um, it's not overnight, especially with borderline cases. Um, you, you know, it's very rare that somebody does something so egregious right away. We're like, oh my God, we got to get this person out of yeah, here. Yeah. But- there are set mechanisms in place to take care of that and to handle that. And things like diversity and equity are that's, that's in the forefront in academia where it may not necessarily be the case in, in the private sector. So it sounds like you have pretty good confidence in your own value as, you know, a member of this community of people that you work with that you don't have problems with the people who are telling you what to do because you believe in the mission you sure, are yeah. comfortable with where it's headed and with how you're taking care of when something does go wrong. Yeah. I mean, I can't accurate? really, you know, I mean, why would I, you know, I mean, we're all here to do the right mm-hmm. thing. So if somebody's telling me to do the right thing, that's, it's very difficult to get been out yeah. of shape about that. Have a concern. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you may go, huh? Okay you want me to march through the swamp. Okay. Well, how about we drain the swamp first, you know, or maybe we go around the swamp. Like what, what's really the most important here. You may try to like clarify somebody's goals yeah, or better methods of doing something, but it's very rare to go. 
yeah, actually we're, I think you're totally off base. That's, that is that's not a thing. Yeah. That's really not too much of a thing. You go, you know, I just don't want to educate people. Nah. <laughs> Maybe you nah. should work somewhere else then. Maybe, yeah. yeah <laughs> it's kind of tough, you know, like that's really not what, what you're there for. What people are there for. Right. What's, how does, um, how has being a leader for the time that you have in your career, um, you know, all these lessons that you're talking about that you've learned, how have these things affected your personal life? Have they affected your personal life? And, and if so, in what ways? So one thing I've, I've noticed is that it's um, being used to being the person that takes charge of a situation. That definitely, you know, when I drive somewhere with friends, I like to be the one driving. Um, Mm -hmm. If somebody, if a crowd of my friends were sitting around for a while and nobody comes up with a solution about what we're going to do, I'm the one that jumps in. I'm like, well, if nobody's in charge, I guess that means it's me. And it's hard to not be uh, what can be perceived in women as bossy. Uh Whereas in men, it's taking initiative. Um, Yep. You know, I'm the one that plans the parties, that herds the cats, that makes things happen, because that's something I do all day, every day for work. And it's very difficult to turn that off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, definitely yeah. crossed over to to my personal life, for sure. I can in, a, in a negative that. way, it sounds like, maybe. It's hard to to recognize, like, I don't always need to be in charge of everything. Um, yeah. Yeah, that is, that is hard. That is it's really freeing hard. when you do sit in a situation like that and you're like, yeah, you know, nobody does need to decide or I don't need to decide a thing. It's, yeah. I remember when I had that first realization of like, well, okay, just let it go. Let it just sit here. Yeah. Don't, the, you don't the, have to be the one. And yeah, but that's still, it's still hard. I, I completely relate to that. It feeling. is tough. Like, so I'm going so this weekend, I'm going out to Joshua tree for an annual trip to go watch uh, the Perseids meteor shower. And normally this is a trip with, it's just kind of whoever wants to show up, show up. You don't need to have camping experience. Come on over. I'll, I'll take care of you. So this means that often there are people that show up where their idea of like packing for a camping trip for a weekend in the desert where it's over a hundred degrees is they bring one 20 ounce bottle of water and one protein bar. So I am the person that overpacks. I am the person that overprepares. I am the person that brings 12 gallons of water for three people. You know, I am that person that overcompensates and overfunctions. Oh, I'm that to... person for Burning Man or yes. back in the day. Oh. Yes, it is exactly like going to Burning Man because you're <laughs> like, all right, I've got the ice. I've got the, I've got the checklist because you have a plan on all the people that are the sparkle ponies who just... have not planned. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be the sparkle pony. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know what? Just bring the right freaking sleeping bag next time, Kendall. <laughs> I, I would be the person. So, so it, the, the the way that you describe this sounds like those people are a little bit sort of just incompetent. Where I would argue, as that person, I actively think there's no reason to pack more. Someone will come with ibuprofen will or take with care more of water. Right. Or there's going to be someone there. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, that's definitely, you know, I am that person that I overprepare. And, <laughs> and last year, a friend of mine that had never gone to these trips before went for the first time and he packed the way I packed. He had packed 
like <gasps> sick. Oh, and I was like, oh my god, I don't have to worry about Zach. This is amazing. Zach, you got to come on every single trip from here on out, you know. And I mean, he's coming with me this weekend. And he's texting me his list. He's like, I got this. Awesome. this, this. I'm like, I love you. This is amazing. I That's love going out with you because I don't have to worry. And it's so freeing. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's like, awesome. you remember those group projects that, I don't know if you guys ever had to do those in school, group projects, oh, yeah. horrible cooperative learning where you pair like <laughs> A student, the B student, the C student, and the failing student. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't get to pick your own group. And the A student, you're like, well, I'm doing the work of four people. I guess this is just how this goes. Uh, yep. Yeah. It's a good yep, metaphor indeed. for life, though. I mean, it oh, really yeah. is. It's basically just to prepare you. It teaches you. It teaches you something, but it's not that someday you're going to be. You're going to be. That's yeah. What it teaches you is someday you're going to the desert with a bunch of uh, C students, <laughs> failing students, and um, you're going to have to oh, carry no, the weight of that project. Is, Pretty much, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I want to. So, we're, we're coming up. We're coming yeah, up on time here. Thank you, Kendall. Uh, and I wanted to circle back to something that Kendall cut off completely rudely. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I wanted to hear goal. about your hobbies outside of work. So you're inside of work. You are. You know. You're a leader. You do. Um, communications work you're uh building relationships for the long term what do you do for fun when you're not at work for fun i do i do weightlifting and i train in strongman which i love to death yes i Ah, really tell tell us a little bit about that so strongman strongman is the sport of uh, basically picking up really heavy awkward objects and moving with them so truck pulls tire flips um yoke walks keg throws keg walks it's if you watch the world's strongest man that's that particular competition uh it's a very small sport there aren't that many people in it uh most of us all know each other so or we all know someone who knows someone it's about one degree of separation and it's great it's just a wonderfully positive community um it's a bunch of really big people doing uh, amazing stuff. And I, I really love it. I, what I think I love the most about it is it's this physical meditation where there's no room in your head to worry about how your day has gone. When you are trying to pick up an Atlas stone and get it over the bar, you, everything in my mind is just focused on h- how am I going to make this work? Am I gripping it tight enough? Oh my God, my elbows hurt. Like what, what's happening with my knees? Uh, my arms are on fire. Like you just completely go into your toe. body. I yeah. yeah I have dropped it on my I've broken yeah what's, my list of things I've broken in strongman is uh, <laughs> long yeah wow. what, what's the thing you what's the thing you're most proud that you've picked up and or if if that's really dull what's the most amusing thing you've picked up ooh uh the thing I'm probably most proud of having picked up was I had to pick up my car one day when it got a flat tire was driving with one of my staff members and it was wedged in such a way where we couldn't get the, uh, the spare to drop down from underneath. So I had to pick up the car just enough so that he could get the tire to drop completely. Cause like if you drop it, well, he was like leaning underneath. He had the bulk of his body outside the car and it was just his arm underneath. He was trying to fish underneath there. So, you know, but that was, I had no training. I hadn't been doing strongman, just been doing weightlifting at that point. Um, I did it completely wrong. I ended up tearing my glutes and my hamstrings, had a bruise, like it was black right across my, the crack of my ass. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was not great. Um, <laughs> great story, you know, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was good. I mean, that was like, technically the most impressive <laughs> thing. 
I yeah. think the weirdest thing I picked up is probably the uh, what's called a, a Husafel stone. It's yeah. a metal like we have a it's we have a metal Husafel at the gym. It's this coffin shaped implement. It's a metal coffin that's empty. It's about 165 pounds. And it's empty at the top, so you can put chains in it and barbells and or dumbbells in it and load it up and make it even heavier. That's hard because it bites into your arms as you carry it. Um, then there's like the the yoke which goes across your shoulders. That, that you know, that's hard. Yep. There's just a lot of like heavy, gnarly, random. Oh, picking up friends. That's always fun. Uh-huh. Um, carrying them around. That's good. <laughs> yeah. That is funny. It's basically a sport well, of stupid human tricks. I love it. Yeah, I believe that. I love it. Well, um, we need to wrap up for time's sake, but thanks so much for being with us, Val. If Thank people you. want to uh, know more about you, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me at pantagruel.net. That's uh, my website. It is, uh, like I was saying earlier, it is very much <laughs> like the case of the, you know, the cobbler's children with no shoes. It's my website with uh, my photography some design. Um, I work in comic books and oh, cool. yeah. Uh, yeah. It was pretty cool. The comic books are kind of cool. Just one of them that I worked on just won an Eisner a couple of weeks ago. That was fun. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, the people I just did assisting on that one, it was snow glass apples with Colleen Doran and Neil Gaiman. I assisted Colleen with the color. So that was That's cool. fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll put that. We'll, we'll put the link to in that the... in the show notes. Yeah. Cool. And I feel like I need to add the disclaimer that we mentioned a couple times at the beginning of this, the Rams Leadership Slack. You can Google that if you're interested. It's a Slack full of people mostly involved in tech leadership. We are loosely affiliated, although not officially affiliated. It should be stated. So um, thanks so much for being with us, Val. Yeah, I hope uh, I hope this was helpful for you. It sure was. was. Great. Thank you.